Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren of Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. You know, these are really difficult days that we're in, and I feel like we need to just talk about that a little bit. I do believe that there is a tremendous move of God underway, and I believe that it's begun, but I believe that there's such a pressure in the earth right now. There's such a pressure, and we need to be careful to stay with God, stay in the Spirit, and not get wrapped up in the in the world of what's going on. I'm not saying to not get involved. We need to see what's going on. We need to understand how to pray. We need to understand how to engage. You see, it, it's such an interesting world that we are living in as Christians because we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. We're supposed to be here influencing what's going on and yet not being attached to what's going on. I was reading recently about how Abraham, everywhere he went, he would uh, pitch his tents and instead of developing a permanent place to live. And so he would go to these places and he could have lived in the city. He could have he could have built a house, but he didn't. He was apart, but always recognizing that there was something very transient about life. And what he did build that was substantial was altars. Every place he'd put his tent up, but he'd build a permanent altar there, something that would remain. He'd move again. He'd put his tent up, but he'd build the permanent altar. And that really is speaking to us about this life is temporal. It's passing. We have something else that we're supposed to be looking to, eternal values, eternal things. Yes, this is temporal, but what's permanent is that altar, that worship life that we're, that we're to have. It's the eternal that we're supposed to be looking to, really. And I, and I would just say, I believe in this last generation, most of the church world and most of the body of Christ has been, at least in America, has been so focused on the temporal things. And yes, that's a part of what we need to learn how to walk in. But I, I just want to make this point that our major focus should be on eternal things, on the things of God and the things that are important to God. And we should be more about wanting to build God's kingdom rather than ours. And I feel like so many times the emphasis is on building our kingdom, building our success. Again, it's not that that's absolutely wrong, but it's, it's absolutely wrong when it's your priority, you see. I want to get back to this other aspect, though, of what's going on in the world today, because we are living in difficult times. We are to live in victory in the difficult times, but there are definitely difficult times in our country right now compared to where we've been over the, you know, the last decades that I've lived in. My mother, who, who went through the Great Depression and you know World War II, she knew World War II. My dad was in the World War II. So, you know, they've been through some difficult times. And my mom, who's still alive, said, you know, has told me, hey, I, this is more, it's more unique than anything I've been through. There's something different about this than anything I've been through. So I do believe there's a darkness over the land. And you, you look at what is happening. Morally, we've been going in the wrong direction. There's also a new morality in the church. Rationality and reason have been thrown out the door. And I would just say, most of the people would even go, oh, yes, you're right. Amen. But even in the church, most people are part of this culture in the church world even. And you'll see it everywhere, even in the church world where 
things aren't thought through in detail. We are led by name-calling and accusations rather than thinking through things. You know, we're, we're led by our feelings and by our emotions in this society. And I'm not even saying that thinking through things is the major thing, because beyond that, we have to be prayerful. We have to think through things, but we have to be prayerful and have a right mind in all things, right? But anyway, rationality and reason have just been thrown out the door. It's one of the most crazy things. And if you see some of the things that we believe today, like how many genders are there? Well, that used to be a very simple question. But now it's not just a simple question anymore. It's things that people are trying to figure out. How many genders are there? They keep expanding uh, with different kinds of genders. I mean, it's, how do you know uh, whether you had a boy or a girl? Well, you've, you've got to wait until they get older for them to tell you whether they're really a boy or a girl. You see, some of these things, I mean, right now they seem crazy, but I want to just say we've been on a line of crazy thinking for a long time and allowing ourselves to think irrationally for a long time. And this is like part of the culmination of that. So anyway, our whole society has gone into very irrational thinking and it affects everything. I was telling you something that's very obvious, but it's all over our country. And I just want to say, we all need to recognize this is a force and an influence, and we need to back away from it. Calm down, think, and look for truth. Look for search, pray, ask God. Another thing we see a lot in our society is chaos. You know, there's always chaos that pops up. You know, there's always a little every year you know, it seems like every uh, 20, 30 years, there's some big chaotic events. But this year seems to take the, the cake as far as anything that I can remember. I remember there was a lot of chaos when I was uh, very little. But I mean, it, I just I believe this is the, the worst we've had in my lifetime. Looks like everything's falling apart. I hear a lot of people today saying things like, are we in the last days? Are we in the last days? Is this the end times? And, you know, I have to say, a lot of things do look like we're in the end times. But that didn't just start with the recent chaos. Maybe the recent chaos has just jolted us. We're slightly more awake. But if this chaos were to calm down and somebody were to come up with a great answer, everybody just forget about it, probably. But I just want to mention there are a lot of things that look like we're in the last days. I mean, the last days. And these things didn't just start in the extremely recent history. If you look at what I'm going to mention, you'll realize it's been happening for a while. One, one thing is globalism. You know, the, the, the thought of globalism, something that could very easily facilitate a one world government. That whole concept has gotten so much stronger and has gained so much more appeal and acceptance in society today. Another thing is, uh, you know, look at the ability that we have today to monitor individuals. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? I, I've read a joke. You've probably all seen this kind of joke where somebody makes, you know, says something funny about Siri or Alexa or Google and then, you know, they laugh and then the person they're talking to laugh and then and then the the, the little Google mini laughs, you know. But, uh, you know, they did discover that Google does record our conversations. And how many of you have ever been talking about something 
And then mysteriously, it just shows up on your phone, on ads all the time. That happens to me all the time. I didn't say, whatever, you know, hey, Siri, show me ads about X, Y, Z. I didn't prompt a hey, Siri. Hey, listen to that. My Siri just said something to me. Okay, sorry about that. (laughs) I just woke Siri up. Now, that makes her talk back, right? But if you don't say that, it's still listening and paying attention. And uh, it's going to give you ads. And, of course, they've, they've found out that our conversations have been recorded. I read once where people's intimate lives were being listened to and, and people having fun listening to that at Google. Or, uh, so, anyway, you know, think about that. The ability to monitor, the ability is there. The ability is there. So, what if somebody were to regulate everything you say, for, say, for example, online or to others? I've heard recently where there are certain things you can't even say now to others uh, or you'll, you could go to jail for it if, if you found out. This is not in America. I forgot what country that was in. Somebody here just trying to tell me. Australia. Okay. I didn't. Okay. So, but, but think about that. People monitoring your conversation to see if it's acceptable uh, or whether you should go to jail for your ideas and your thoughts. I just think that's, that's sort of crazy. But what if? What if that begins to happen? What if what you say on, on social media is examined and people don't like it? Then your credit cards tell you that uh, you can't use your credit cards. They don't want your business. And then your bank tells you uh, that they don't want your business. What if that kind of thing were to happen? What if for some reason that could even be orchestrated by government making a decision where those kind of laws are in place where you're sort of pinned in. You know what eventually happens is we get trained. Initially, maybe it's not so bad. Oh, better watch out about saying this, you know, or better watch out. So we sort of say a little less, right? Or maybe we'll, we'll be a little bit more careful. But my, my question here is, what if that happens about the things of Christ? Because eventually that's, of course, where it's going to go. Do you not recognize we're in this world and the God of this world is the one running that aspect and he's got an an end in mind? Do, Do you not realize that spiritually? That's where everything ends up going as the world is in charge. You just have to realize that biblically speaking. And so the question is, would you compromise little by little? you know, and and eventually get to where that system that says you cannot buy or sell unless you are following their morality, not promoting your Christ, going by your rule, their rules, because your rules, oh, that Bible, oh, that's hate. Oh, we don't believe in that. You see, do you see how close we are to that kind of thing being able to happen. We're already close to a cashless society. I was uh, having, I guess it was lunch or breakfast with Todd, uh, who's often with us. I, I didn't see who's on with us this morning. I was going, yes, he's there today. And Todd was telling me how cash is getting less popular today because of the COVID virus. So people don't want to be touching money because they're thinking, hey, there's probably germs on that money. Maybe somebody who's sick touched that money. So 
cash is getting less and less popular. And, uh, you know, we're just moving toward a cashless society. I'd, I'd be surprised if people are still using cash in a few years. Who knows? But just look what's happening there. Is that in itself evil? I don't think so. But I'm just saying it's setting up a system. Is, um, is it evil to use artificial intelligence? And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I don't think it is, but I'm just saying it's setting up a system here, right? That's becoming very empowered. You know, what theologians would say is that these systems that are empowered will one day become so strong and when it's very hard to get out from underneath the system that they have created. And when these systems gain power and the people that are in charge of these systems gain power, then the mystery of lawlessness will go crazy, the, the, the force of lawlessness, and so many ungodly things will begin to happen. And we will begin to be forced to do things by the very things that used to be a blessing to us, so to speak. At least we thought it was a blessing. It's sort of like getting to Pharaoh, right? The people come to Pharaoh. Remember, Abraham's family come to him, and they get blessed. They get a lot of stuff, so to speak. God blesses them. But after a while, guess what? Uh, the very system that blessed them ended up becoming their enslavement. And they were then enslaved by the very system that had blessed them because of fear, wanting them to come into alignment, not wanting them to have control, not wanting them to have power. I believe that's somewhat of a demonstration of things that could happen in the last days. But anyway, you see, there's something about the few being in power that can be very dangerous. I, I do want to, to mention this because I, I believe it's very important for us to understand this concept. There was a very popular movie came out based on a book by Tolkien that was called, what was it? The Lord of the Rings, right? Do you remember the Lord of the Rings? And what's the big message? The, the number one message that comes to my mind about the whole series, it's about the power of evil. If you remember, it's, a, it's about this ring and when you put this ring on, you have so much power over others. And the point of the, the book and the, the series is that if you get this ring, you know, and, and, you, and you wear the ring and you have all this power, you may intend to use it for good. But what happens is the desire for power then begins to corrupt you. And the power itself has a corrupting influence on you. And before long, you who may have been not having any wrong motives, being under the influence of that power, become corrupt. And what happened to Satan? You know, think about Satan. Satan was pure, made right, but just the pride of his beauty. Look how he became so corrupt. That was a perfect being in power corrupts individuals. It corrupts. And that's why I believe there's so much evil and corruption in big business and in big government. Don't think that big government is going to end up doing you well. Once it empowers the system and it empowers the people that are there and it becomes a source for them to, to be powerful rather than to serve the people, guess what? 
Corruption is in play. And if you're being told that you're going to be blessed, it's only for a vote, right? It's only to empower them. Just remember, power corrupts. I believe that this system of the world, you know, it has had so much influence. Think back of what I was just speaking about, about about these different systems and powers. Think back about, you know, what I'm just, what I was just saying about the power to do these things. Do you realize that so much power is in just a few? So much power with just a few. I just would say it's a very corrupting influence. And that again looks like, wow, it looks like end times. Another thing we see is there's so much deception in the world today. The level of deception is so high, so high. You remember Jesus' disciples asked him and said, what are the signs going to be at the end of the age? Some translations say world, but the word actually means age, of this age. And the first thing he said was, uh, see to it that you're not deceived. There's going to be a great spirit of deception going out into the earth. And how are people going to be deceived? I believe one major way is in the, the area of lawlessness and righteousness. What's right and what's wrong? When he says there, see to it that you be not deceived, the next thing he says, many will come in my name and say I'm the Christ. It's been debated exactly what that means. Because how would somebody who's saying, I'm coming in Jesus' name and I'm the Christ, well, how do those two even go together? Some believe that what's being said there is many will come in the name of the Lord saying, uh, and it can be translated to understand it this way, I am anointed. I am called. I have a message from God. I'm representing God. They'll come in his name saying that they're representing him, but deceive many. And if you look in 1 Timothy, what does it say? That there'll be, in the last days, doctrines of demons and a spirit of great deception. So what's happening there? People are luring people through desires of the flesh and through uh, some of the words that are there and in Thessalonians indicate a wandering. So what's happening is people are influenced by the force of deception in this world, thinking in their minds, well, maybe that's right. Oh, maybe that's okay. And I will tell you that that force, the Bible says, it's going to be in the world. That means the whole world will be departing from the standards that are in the Word of God. But more than that, that the church will too. The Bible talks about the apostasy. The, a lot of that apostasy isn't, isn't just starting out by, oh, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. It's beginning to accept things that are not of God, doctrines of demons, and lawlessness, and the mystery of lawlessness working in the church is a part of that. So, anyway, I'm just saying, you know, it just looks like a lot of these things have taken place. And, and in the Word of God, we see how there were very high standards to come to the Lord. And we don't see that in the church today. You know, in, in the New Testament, Jesus was asking for absolute surrender. He wasn't asking for a passive thing. You see, he, he said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and pick up your cross 
It's an, there's an absolute ring to that. He said some people will, you know, you'll, it, it, it will separate father and mother, and you'll have to pull away from those that you love. And you're not pulling away, but the following the Lord does that. The point isn't that you're supposed to make yourself leave those you love. The point is following Christ sometimes is going to bring a rift between you and those that you love so much. And you still have to follow Christ, even though that pain is there. You see, that's what Christ is saying. Following God may cost a lot, but he never tried to reduce the price to make it where, oh, don't worry about that. You don't have to do that. No, no. Jesus was saying you have to be willing to lay down everything because it's the heart that's important. He's not telling you to lay down your family. He's saying you follow Christ. But if that's what happens, you still have to follow Christ. He told the rich young ruler, the guy goes, hey, I want eternal salvation. Jesus sees the problem in his life. He says, sell everything you've got and come and follow me. Now, Jesus didn't tell everybody, come sell. He never told anybody else that I can remember in scriptures to sell everything and come and follow him. Why did he tell this man that? Because he realized that was what was preventing him from giving absolute devotion to the Lord, you see? And God has always dealt with everybody. He wants to he wants absolute devotion. He commands absolute surrender. He's not asking for 90%. He's asking for 100%. And this whole attitude of saying, well, God just understands. It's okay. You can just live like you're living. You can keep sleeping around. You can keep living with your boyfriend or girlfriend. God's really okay with that. He understands that you love them. That's really okay. You don't need to be legalistic. You don't, you know, let me just say that is lawlessness that's coming to the church. And that is a huge deception. And that is already an evidence of a huge and tremendous falling away of the church from the faith. Many people still say they follow the Lord, but they will say all these other things are now okay. They're of God. Of course, that's not true. You know, Paul would even say things like this. He'd say, those that continue in sin, rebuke in the presence of all, that the others might be fearful of sinning. <laughs> you know, think about verses like that. They were so careful about wanting to get any kind of sin out of the church. Now, he wasn't talking about somebody having an issue. John says, we all sin. And when you sin, pray, ask God for help. Go get somebody, pray with you. Get help. This all go forward. We're all going forward in this life. We all are making mistakes, but we're going forward. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about somebody that's just accepted it. They're not trying to change. They call themselves a Christian, but they're living the same way. He's going, deal with that. And I, I know this sounds crazy. Uh, he says, rebuke in the presence of everybody. Why? So that everybody else would be afraid of sinning. The point there is, by you doing that, by, by Paul saying to do that, and then somebody do that in their church, everybody else goes, wow, the fear of God comes upon them. Yes, they saw something happen, but they're, you know, naturally, so to speak, but it brings the fear of God and they go, oh man, I don't want sin in my life. And Paul also said, 
that when sin is allowed there, it to stay, to not be confronted, to not help people out of that, that it works like leaven. He said that in uh, 1 Corinthians 5. He says, get the man out of the church that has been living in sexual sin and will not repent. Get him out. You know why? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, I just want to say, you see, because we've allowed this thing in church and all these things departing from the faith through doctrines of demons, it has been like leaven in much of the church. And this needs to be gotten out. I just wanted to mention those things because I think if you sit back and look, you can see a lot of elements of the last days in our society right now. I mean, we're like, you know, we're like those that it happens little by little and we accommodate to it. We get, we get used to it and we just move on. But it is so different than it was just a few decades ago. I mean, things have changed so rapidly. But let me just say this. I'm going to get back onto this, but I just want to back up a minute. Though things look like that, I don't believe that that's the next thing on the agenda. I believe there's going to be a move of God. I believe there's going to be an outpouring. I believe that, that just as in days past, things have thought, uh, things look like, oh, we can never get over this. I just want to say, I believe that there's going to be a great move of God. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are going to be in operation. I believe that there's going to be a radical group of believers, and a lot of them are going to be young believers who have the love of God in their hearts, the Word of God in their mouths, and they're not going to be living for this world. They're going to be so excited about living for God, and I believe that it's going to bring a jolt into this earth. You see, God's end time was, you know, the whole picture isn't even about just darkness, darkness, darkness. If you read Isaiah 60, you'll see it's not just darkness. It's light that's super bright that you're going to shine. The glory of God's going to shine on you. There's going to be so much victory in the church. And I believe we're in that place where God's going to bring victory in the church. God's going to bring blessing to those people that have been faithful. God is going to honor and increase. And I would just say this because I believe this is the season of, I've mentioned this before, of reaping. I preached that about two weeks ago, that it just looks like it. And then I've heard about two or three prophetic words since that, since then from other people saying the exact same thing. And I'm going, to me, that's a confirmation. They're saying what I sense and what I felt. And they have, I haven't been hearing that lately. Boop, here it comes. People are saying it's a season of reaping. You're going to reap. Those of you that have been sowing good, you're going to reap good. Those of you that have been sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap from that if you don't turn because it's a season of reaping. And I want to add to that. Maybe I'll talk about this later. But I believe God is bringing the season of reaping together alongside promises that he's also given you 
because these are going to these are going to come together the promises God that's spoken to you and the reaping and I believe it's also going to coordinate with the purpose of God on your life and there's many of you that have been through a lot of trials you've been through a lot of difficulties I want to tell you it is not in vain it has not been in vain God is going to honor you God is going to bless you and do not be deceived you are going to reap a blessing from sowing to God from not giving up from continuing to press in when it was difficult from not getting off course from trying to honor God and when you fell you got back up when it looked like you stepped off course you got back on course God honors all of that God honors you choosing to do right when it was difficult God honors you when you when you wanted to do something in the flesh and you stopped or maybe you even did it but then you go nope that was wrong and you repented let me just say God sees all of that and he's going to honor that and i believe that there's going to be a season even in the earth where we see some of that we get blessed in heaven i believe for every everything we've sown here but sometimes god allows us to reap that here you know you remember where jesus said whoever leaves things for my sake will get back those things and multiplied with persecutions <laughs> right so we're in a place of difficulty but praise god i love to be blessed in the middle of it right there's it, there's always a battle there's always a battle uh, but we've been in the wilderness season battling learning growing and praise god there's a promised land season and i'd rather battle in the promised land with big giants there yes it's more scary than the promised land than the wilderness but guess what in the promised land we're increasing god's showing up we're seeing even a different level of miracles and it's amazing and we get to use the things that god's given us when we're in the promised land our gifts come alive we begin to build and grow and 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 be creative with god you see i love that and i believe those days are right here at hand i believe that we're there and i could go on and on about that but i just let me back up here and just say i do believe it's going to be in the midst of what's the craziness that's going on in the world i shared with you a few weeks back i was before the lord one day and I just saw things clear up in a year and a half. It's hard to explain how I saw it being about a year and a half, but I saw it in a year and a half. I didn't even know what that meant. I, I'm going, God, what did you just show me? Is that my life? Is that this church? Is that did it? But as I thought through it, I believe what the Lord was saying was it's going to clear up. Things are going to start clearing up in about a year and a half. So that means to me, there may be, if that is talking about what's going on in the world, it might not be clearing up anytime too soon. And even though some things happen, there might be chaos for a while where it's hard to understand what's going on. There might be so much commotion in the battle. You can't tell who's winning and who's losing. And you can't tell who's right and who's wrong. You see, <laughs> I think that there might be a lot of confusion. My question would be are you ready to win and live in victory in the middle of that confusion? You see, are you going to live underneath the pressure, underneath everything that's going on? Are you going to live in a wrong attitude? Are you going to live underneath the clouds of what the enemy is doing in our nation right now and all around the world? Or 
Are you going to live in the victory that I believe God is saying it's right here? I know it doesn't sound rational, but I will tell you, I believe God is is sending an invitation to go deeper, to walk in a place of victory and prepare yourself to go into what's getting ready to happen, what he's getting ready to do. I believe God's bringing an invitation to that in the middle of all this chaos. And you've got to be willing to press past that, to rise above it, and to be able to see things from God's perspective. And when you're there, you are free from the chaos down here. You're free from the emotions that are manipulated and driven by the chaos down here. And I would just say there's a lot of people in the body of Christ today that need to get free from those things, to rise above that, and to see things from God's perspective and walk with the mind of Christ rather than the emotions of man. That's very, very imperative in this hour. And I would say it's very important that we walk by the Spirit right now. If you're not walking by the Spirit, you're going to be vulnerable. If you are walking by the flesh, I mean the natural tendencies that we all have, you're nat- you know, giving in to your emotions, giving in to wrong attitudes. If you're walking according to your flesh, you're going to be easy prey for the enemy to deceive you, for the enemy to get you to think wrongly, to walk in fear, to walk in doubt, and to accept things that are not of God. So we have to hear from God, and we have to make sure we're doing things God's way and that we are in unity with the Lord. I was speaking with a minister yesterday. And, uh, you know, one of the points I was making is, you know what, right now, God's teaching us, walk with Him every day. Maybe you don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe God's not given you the plan for everything for next year or the year after. But guess what? If you stay with God every day and you do what you're supposed to do every day, you are going to be there. Your big worry or concern should be, am I in union with Christ? Am I following every day? Am I committing my life to the Lord? If you're doing that, you're going to be where you need to be. Amen? (laughs) That should be exciting for every one of us. I want to read this passage that came to my mind, kept coming to my mind yesterday. It's in Joshua chapter 5 and beginning in verse 13. This is with this is in the days of Joshua after Moses had died, and they're get, they just come into the land, and uh, they're getting ready to battle. And it says in verse 13 that it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to the man and said, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? And the angel said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, listen to that. As the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So right now we get a picture of this angel who has decided to manifest and appear as a man with a sword in his hand. And he says, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. He's got a sword. What does that mean? That means he's getting ready to fight. That's really powerful. You know, that shows us that angels actually do battle on our behalf. I don't know how they do that. I don't know what they're using that sword for. I don't know how that works. But all I know is there was an angel there, and he says, I'm getting ready 
to go into battle. And by the way, he's not saying, how can I serve you, Joshua? No, he goes, I'm getting ready to battle. And it's not about me being on your side. It's about if you want me to be on your side, if you want me to give you great victory, I have to do what he said. You want victory? You, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. That's amazing to me. Because what's going on is we see that angels are involved in the affairs of men, and they're actually involved in our battles. If we are doing what God wants us to do, they get involved. But we cannot go and do our own thing, be insensitive to the Lord, and expect them to get involved. We can't do things in our flesh ability. We can't just go, oh, you know what? We need to go do that and just go do it without getting wisdom and empowering from God. I had, I've shared a little tid, tidbit before about this dream I had, but I had such an intense three-part dream one time. I believe it's for a, a time that's coming soon. But anyway, in the last part, in the third dream, of the, it was three dreams in one, and in the third dream, there was this, I just would call it, let me just spiritualize it to, to make it short, a demonic thing happening. I wanted to use, I had a gun in my hand, and I wanted to use it. And I knew that if I pointed the gun and started to use it, that I would be completely taken out. This in the dream. So instead of me trying to shoot him with my gun, what I did was, I raised my hands like this, sort of like, I guess, in surrender to God. Very interesting. When I raised my hands, immediately God went to work. And when I did that, God went to work and someone of a policeman came in to the situation, brought the evidence that needed to be seen and said, this is what's been going on the whole time. This is what's been going on, and he exposed treachery. And I'm going, wow, now I had this dream probably 10 years ago, and I knew to write it down. But I backed up, and I'm going, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, there's so many powerful things in that dream I had. But what really impressed me was my power and natural ability was only going to take me down. But if I had learned, if I would learn to do things God's way and depend on him in that warfare, in that need, God was going to get involved. God was going to expose what needed to be exposed. And the, the situation was arrested. It was, going to, it was going to get brought down. Now, I had that dream. Again, I, I ought to go read when it was, but I'm guessing it was around 10 years ago. I believe it's very pertinent for where we're, we are. I believe it's going to become more and more pertinent. But I just would say to you, we need to begin to trust in the Lord. No, quit trusting in our own understanding. Quit trusting in our own ability. Quit trusting in certain things we've looked to. And trust for God to get involved. Because when we do things God's way, we have mighty angels who are working for us when we do things God's way, they get involved. There's another story like this where earlier in Joshua's life, Moses told him, he said, you go fight the Amalekites. We've been called to fight these Amalekites. So they're called to fight and win over the Amalekites, aren't they? Of course they are. So he says, you go there. I'm going to hold up this 
rod over on top of the hill. We don't know how why Moses knew to hold up the rod. Maybe God told him. Maybe it was inspired. Maybe he just knew it was the right thing to do. What did the rod represent? God's power over the situation. When Moses parted the Red Sea, how did he do it? He held the rod up over the sea. When he held the rod over the sea, the seas parted. So anyway, he goes up, he holds the rod up over this situation, and Joshua's winning. And you see, it looks natural. Somehow, Joshua's getting help. Moses brings his staff down. Guess what? Joshua and all of Israel, they begin to lose. They begin to lose. They're the army of God, so to speak. They've got a call of God to defeat wickedness, but they have no power. They're just walking in their natural power now, and they're losing. There is a big statement there, you see. When the staff was lifted, the armies of God, the same army that we read about in Joshua 5, you don't see the man there, but he's there with the army of God. That army's there, but look, they're disengaged whenever the rod's not up. Why is that? Well, for some reason, God was using Moses' rod in that day, and it was symbolic, but God was using it. And God's like, I said, hold up that rod. It's symbolic of my authority. That's what I've been using. And if you don't hold up that rod, you guys are going to start losing. I'm just saying that for you to think about this, right? Meditate on that. If we don't do things the way God says to do it, our power is limited. Our effectiveness is limited. And in our own strength, we might have the call, we might have an assignment from God, but we will lose if somehow we've not done what needs to be done to connect to the power of God and get the armies of God working on our behalf. And that's exactly what God is wanting to do in this hour. I believe that the armies are in array. I believe that the armies of God are standing at command. I believe that they're standing. Multitudes and multitudes of the host of heaven are waiting for things to line up. They're waiting for God's people to line up. They're waiting for God's command. They're, they are there waiting to do an amazing miracle in this hour. And the big question is, will the people of God rise up? Will the people of God quit living in the flesh? Will the people of God quit having the wrong attitudes in life? Will the people of God be strong and do what they're supposed to do and trust God and get out of this flesh battle? Because we are losing. We will continue to lose until the army has really risen up and is trusting God, is one with God and doing it His way. This man getting back to Jericho, this man who was an angel goes, I'm the head of God's army, which means they're right here. You just can't see them. You do this. You do this. And you do this. And this is going to happen. What does he do? He does exactly what he was told, which is something his mind didn't want to do. He walks around Jericho seven days. He does that. without, And nobody, not just him, but all of Israel, all of the warriors, they don't say a word. On the seventh day, they go around it seven times. And guess what happens? The walls fall down. I don't know. Somebody's told me one time that there was some, uh, some kind of archaeological find 
where, you know, they were mud. They were like mud brick walls, very strong, impenetrable. But anyway, someone told me that there was discovered these wide, deep walls straight in the ground in that area. And people are going, could it be when the walls fell, they didn't fall like that? They just went straight down. I'm going, wow, that'd be crazy. <laughs> but maybe it happened. But maybe, but maybe the angels are there. And when the obedience was fulfilled, when Joshua did exactly the way God was leading, the angels were empowered and had God's go ahead. And all those angels were mobilized to do what they're supposed to do. I am telling you, I feel extremely confident it's extremely confident that there is a multitude of angels that are lined up, battle ready, right at the point of going forward. They are lined up. They're in battle array right behind the hosts of heaven. And I believe at the right time, as we line up with God in this hour, there's going to be an amazing releasing of the host of heaven. And you're going to see God go to work for us beyond what we could have done in our flesh and our little efforts. I mean, there's so much that's happening today, and I'm not saying that all of that's wrong by any means. I'm not trying to put that down, but what I'm just saying is we've got to get into God's power. We've got to get God's mind. We've got to do things His way, and we've got to quit doing things according to the flesh. Now, we're here at closing, but I just want to say, please, I've mentioned this many times, but I see it so often, and I see it with Christians all over America. So many caught up in such a wrong spirit. Do you remember how when, when Joshua lined up with God, the armies of heaven were empowered? Do you remember how when Moses did what God was leading him to do, and they were walking in the spirit, the armies of heaven are empowered? Let me just say, when you walk in the flesh, you are empowering uh, the, 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 I'll call it the power of hell, the powers of the dark kingdom. You are empowering them in your life. And I would even say in this nation, whenever you walk in the wrong spirit. You know, sometimes I think, I think of course, it's great that we all share uh, with others, whether it's online or whatever, what we're thinking. And in a civil attitude, but in a heart of love and kindness, as you know, and I'm not saying that things never need to be said boldly. But what I want to say is there's so much animosity and hatred. I heard a minister say recently, you know what, the church needs to learn how to love the politicians they hate. And I thought, <laughs> there's a lot of truth in that. This person said, they need to learn how to forgive those politicians that have done wrong things because everybody's upset at somebody. It doesn't mean to think, okay, you know, there's no justice. Da, da, da. No, I'm just saying uh, you need to rise above it and be forgiving and loving. And yes, pray. Yes, you have an opinion. Yes, you think through things. Yes, share them with others. But just remember, if your heart's full of bitterness and hatred, you are empowering the wrong spirits, the wrong army in your life. You're empowering the wrong army in this earth. And that's not your assignment. Your assignment is to rise above it. You have to ask yourself this question. When you talk about certain issues, does bitterness, bitterness 
come out of your mouth? Does hatred come out of your mouth? Is it a wrong spirit? Do you justify it? You see that that's part of how you can recognize whether you're in the right mind or not. When you when you say things, whether it's online or whatever, do you like to slap people when you say them? Or you, I just want to just tell some people sometimes, hey, do you realize when you talk like that online, you're not convincing anybody. You're only making yourself feel good. And other people that think like you, you're making them feel good, but you're not convincing anybody coming out in that attitude. Really? You're just bringing more division. Anyway, I just want to say I'm not even upset at people that are doing that because I realize people are where they are in the Lord. But I'm just telling you, you should know better and you should be one of the ones that are in the light and we should rise above that. And yes, we should all have eyes to see. That's another thing I'd like to get into that I'll only just mention it really quickly. Don't think that you see things without, you know, how we were talking about the spirit of deception. We need to pray through things. Things aren't always very clear. I remember a while back when it, when it dawned upon me that history isn't always easy to understand. I don't mean just to understand why. I mean to even understand what. Because history is written from different perspectives and different people that wanted you to think it happened a certain way for a certain reason. It's not easy to understand what happened. Praise God we have the Bible. I trust the Bible. A lot of the other histories of the world, histories of America. I mean, you've got people with agendas who always want to tell you one thing or the other, right? So it's not easy. So you hopefully you can gather that. And let me just say right now, the world is full of agendas. It's not easy to get to the truth today. We have to be humble. We have to pray. We have to be in that right attitude, and we have to ask God to give us wisdom. Even then, it doesn't mean God's going to tell you every single thing about everything, but He's going to tell you what you need to know, and He'll give you insight. Amen? So, And we need that in this hour. We need to go to God, and we need God to speak to us and give us insight. All of us do. You know, there's a Bible verse that says, you know the man, you know the man that thinks he's wise, there's more hope for a fool than that one. In other words, you think you see, there's more hope for somebody else than for you. Jesus told one one group of people, he says, "You think you see so much? You're actually blind. I came to give the ones who are blind sight, but you guys, you're just going to get more blind cuz you think you see." That's really interesting. Sight comes from the Lord Jesus. God's the one who gives sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And that's what we need to ask God for. Say, God, I don't have it in me. I'm not such a wise person. Oh, where I'm through my great wisdom and understanding, I can see everything. No, God, help me to be humble before you and to have a humble attitude, to be confident in what you show me, to be confident in what I see through you. But Lord, help me to be able to see the difference and to never be cocky and to always be gentle and kind to other people. Oh, Father, we just pray this week, Lord God, for a great blessing in our lives. Lord, we thank you. This is a great season. Yes, I do believe. You don't even have to be a prophet to say there's going to be a lot more chaos coming our way. But Lord, no matter what comes, Father, no matter what happens, we trust in you, God. We believe in you, and we pray, God, help us. Help us to make it through this hour. Help us, God, to hear from heaven. Help us, Lord, to hear what you're saying. Help us, God, to not be in in, in discouragement and disarray because of everything we're seeing going on. Help us, God, to just trust in you in this hour and to rise above it. Help us, Lord, no matter whatever happens in this world, to never fear, to never doubt, and to always trust. 
Lord, we believe in you. We trust in you, Lord. We give our lives to you, God. We thank you, God. You're going to lead us forward, God, and you're going to take care of every one of us until the very end of our lives. None of us are going are to be uh, forgotten by God or not taken care of. Every single one of us that's put our confidence in you, Lord, we won't be ashamed or disappointed. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.